0: than that, by the grace that Christ Jesus has afforded us. I want to say some thank yous before Dr. Mitchell comes up, some thank yous to our ministry staff, particularly Barry, and the great work that he's done in putting everything together this morning. Uh, Richard Shaw also, for the flyers that are in your uh, handouts this morning, that outline all of our mission works across the world. If you get a chance, certainly take a look at that. It also provides a great cheat sheet of what the flags up here are if you need that. I did not know what the Swaziland flag looked like. I want to also talk about some of the things that we're looking to accomplish this morning. Besides the information that's on that flyer which informs you about the current works that are going on with our church, there's also the idea of thinking about our missionaries and praying for them, for their encouragement, and for the work that they do for Christ, through our support. We have Manuel and Melissa here this morning from Chile. We also have Jim and Donna Smith with the We Care Ministry. We're certainly glad to have them this morning. And then thirdly, we want to talk about the opportunities for this congregation and the members to be involved. There are tables out in the foyer, tables not only with Dr. Mitchell's material, but also things like Mac Messengers and Friendspeak and we care ministries and world bible school these are opportunities where you as an individual can step out and do something not having to go a thousand miles away but world bible school is such a great work right here at home by communicating with people all over the world and conversions every day as we get ready to hear dr mitchell and light talk about light bearers and specifically talking about the shining about shining the light. I want to introduce and talk to you a little bit about the gentleman that we speaking to us. Dr. Mitchell has spent his entire life in service in one form or another. He's been a missionary in Italy for over 18 years. He's been a professor at Pepperdine for 20 years where he was also for a time the Dean of Students. In 23 years he served at Harding University as a professor of theology, specializing in missions and Christian counseling, he was also the Dean of the College of Bible and religion there at Harding. He co-founded the Harding — let me my note there, co-found of the Harding University Study Abroad Program in the in Florence, Italy. I know some of our members here have been a part of that Study Abroad program things to encourage people, to give them a wider breadth of knowledge of this great world that we live in, but also of the great, great opportunity we have to open our hearts to the people that are here. And Dr. Mitchell continues to do that. He was awarded an honorary doctorate of Oklahoma Christian in 2009, and Harding renamed their Institute for Church and Family Studies the Carl and Frankie Mitchell Center for Leadership and Ministry. In 2010, he also serves on the board of World Bible School and the International Healthcare Foundation with Dr. Branch. Certainly, a great opportunity we have to hear one of the great gentlemen of our faith, of our faith. I'd like to ask you to welcome Dr. Carl Mitchell.
1: Thank you very much, and it's a great privilege to be here with you. Today, and particularly on this occasion, when I was invited to speak today, I was very happy about that. Uh, everything that I've ever heard about this congregation has been positive. It reminded me of what Paul says in the first chapter of Romans about the church in Rome, when he said that they, all over the world they were speaking about the church in Rome as being such a dedicated group. And uh, I think there are lots of parts of our own nation that say that same thing about you. And that makes it even more meaningful for me to be able to be here. Out in the foyer, you have quite a number of things that uh, are copies of what is on the, uh, online. And it tells you how to go online to find any of those studies that are there. Uh, The most recent one that I've done is 11 studies on the Holy Spirit, an area that we've not studied very much ever in Churches of Christ. And if we did, usually it was to tell about how wrong somebody was what, and they thought they were still doing miracles today and so forth. But I think you'll find this a down-to-earth biblical study, uh, and I think you'll profit by it because a number – of things are there that you may not have heard before, particularly what is the gift of the Holy Spirit you received at baptism. Uh, We all believe that we received it, but if someone say, well, tell me specifically what that gift of the Holy Spirit is, I think most of us would be hard-pressed to give an answer. So I hope you'll take some of those out there. And also a very important one there is one that takes... The option of teaching you very quickly how to evangelize so that you don't have to go to the preacher and say, I've got someone I want you to study with, or someone else, you can do it yourself. And there's a very simple method, and it's outlined there, and I hope you'll get copies of it. I am sure that I don't need to cover the part here that talks about the reasons why we should evangelize. But I do have some things specific to that that I would like to uh, present to you uh, this morning. We are in partnership with the Lord. The way the Bible talks about this partnership is the word send on their way. And you'll find that repeatedly in the New Testament. And it's most copiously true in the little third chapter of John because there's a uh, the person there that is the leader of that church, one of the elders in it, and he was trying to get members to send preachers on their way, which meant pay them enough that they can get to the next place where they're going to be preaching. And there was a brother there that said, we don't need to do that and we're not going to do it. And so John said, just tell that guy when I get down there, I'm going to take care of it. Remember, he was a a son of thunder. (laughs) I don't know if that solved the situa- situation or not, but when Jesus sent the limited commission only to Jews, he said, Wh- "Whatever city you come to, go in and stay and eat with the people. And if they won't invite you to stay and eat, go out to the edge of the city and dust this uh, dust off of your shoes, and it will be better." for a lot of lost people than it's gonna be for them because they were not willing to take care of you. So what we are supposed to be doing is sending them on their way, giving them the funds to get there and do the things that they need to do. And that's what you all have been doing and that's what we're supposed to do. I, I will tell you this little illustration I was given the task many years ago in the early fifties to find support for five families that wanted to go to Italy. And uh, I was going all over the western states. I had some interesting things. In one place, a man held his hand up and wanted to know why we wanted so much money when we got 600 lira for one dollar. He said, if you got that, why do you have to ask so many dollars? I had to give him an explanation. (laughs) we weren't getting $600 for $1.00. We're getting 600 lira, and one lira is worth one-sixth of a dollar. And so it takes six of them to give what's the equivalent, and all nations have their money set up in that way. And he didn't know that. He thought we were getting rich over there. Well, we certainly were not. Uh, Another place that I went to, I got there on a Wednesday evening, and and I had a man with me that I was gonna ask them specifically to support, and I called the elder up that I had a letter from and told him they were, were there. And he said, well, you're, you were supposed to be there last week. Well, I read him his letter over the phone and, that he had written, and it was the day that I got there. So <laughs> somehow he got mixed up on the date. He said, well, we just had a missionary here recently, and they talked too long. And uh, we can't help you anyway. We're, since you're here, I guess we'll let you go ahead and speak, but don't take very long, and we can't help you. Well, when I got up to speak, uh, I did something as a young man that I might not do today, but I might. I said, I'm getting tired of being treated like a beggar when I'm here to offer you something that you really need. You have the great commission that you saw up here. Go in all the world and teach everybody all the things that I've commanded you. Some of the people that like scripture in red, you need to start with the first chapter of Acts and go all the way to the end of Revelation, and every commandment that you come up with, paint it red. Paul told the Ephesians that he had taught them all of the things that Jesus had taught him and that he had not held back any part of that teaching. So get your red pencil out and go to the commandments and paint them all red, and then your Bible will be more accurate because it is not true at all that the teaching of Jesus is confined to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Ron. In fact, if they read their Bible long enough, they'd know that before he died, Jesus told them, I got a lot of the things I need to tell you, but you weren't ready for them. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will reveal those to you as well. So it's not second class from Acts through the bed. The, the web. Okay. When I finished up telling them that I was giving them an opportunity to get off the bad part of God's vision of them by not supporting people to preach the gospel that I just came to help them on that well he dismissed after saying well we can't help these boys and dismissed the whole congregation just came to the front as one person and they got those elders over in the corner And one of them said I'll give $50 a month I'll give $25 i will give 15 they made up That man with me, his income that he needed in that little meeting in about five minutes in extra contributions. And the elders told me, well, we better come back and talk with you a little bit more. So they supported him, and they supported him for for 12 years until he came back from the mission field. One of the things that's not on this list that's out there about why we need to evangelize Doesn't say anything about we need to get into a big fight with the devil. And that is a big job that all of us have. And if you turn to the 12th chapter of Revelation, you would see where the devil tried to kill the baby Jesus and was not allowed to do that. And then later he gets up into heaven and uh, gets into a fight with the angels and gets knocked out of heaven and told that he can never come up again. Previously, he had access to coming whenever he wanted into the presence of God, just like he did with Job. Uh, with Job. And uh, he was kicked out there. And it says that his fall out of heaven occurred because of the blood of Jesus. And since that point, he has never been free to go and obtain a condemnation against any person on this earth. He can't do what he tried to do with Job and he can't do it with anybody else because he is an evil district attorney that was kicked out and has no way of getting back in. And then it follows up to say in that 12th chapter that he's come down to the earth because he knows his time is short and he has great anger and he's going to follow the church and he's going to do everything bad that he possibly can, so be on the lookout. I've been told by a number of missionaries from Central and South America and Africa and other places that are more remote and uh, less advantaged than we are in the United States in many ways, and they've told me that in those places where we're working, we see a lot of manifestations that we don't see in the United States that there is a canopy of grace that hangs over this nation by the number of believers that are here, and he is not free to get away with the things that he can do in other places. That was their opinion, and they drew that from their own experiences. But he is very much at work, and he wants to do everything that he can to keep us from being lost. In 1 Peter 5, verse 9, it tells us that God is not willing that anybody perish. That's what he wants. And that's why the death of Jesus wiped out all sin from Adam to the end of time. We have to acquire grace. We have to ask for grace. He doesn't force it on anybody. And that's the task that you and I have tell people that they have the invitation to partner with God in telling the lost of this world what God has done for him. Yeah. But I've had some pretty close encounters with the devil. I was down in the city of Taranto in South Italy. The city had been very kind to us in this big park. They had put up a stand for me to stand on and a speaking uh, Things that are necessary with loudspeakers and so forth. And I was introduced, and there was a lot of people there in the park. And oh, lingua italiana voi non italiano, e sarebbe I'm not talking to you in Italian because you don't know the language, and it would be a lost session for you. So I was talking with all those Italian people over there in the language. And uh, I had just gotten started, and a guy came over and stood in front of me and started jumping up and down and waving his arms, and a couple of the good brethren came over, one on each side, and took him out to the edge of the group. And uh, for a while I could continue with my speech, and then he got away some way, and he got behind me, and I suddenly noticed that they were noticing something behind me, and there he was jumping up and down and waving his arms again. When I finished my, and they came again and got him, and they didn't let him go this time. When I finished my s- speech, I went looking for him, and I found him, and I asked him what he was trying to do. He said, well, I'm a Satan worshiper. And he said, most of these people out here are Satan worshipers, and these children out here are too. We've got a lot more members here than you do. And he said, I came specifically to buy your soul. And if you knew what Satan is willing to offer you, you would be glad to sell your soul to it. I said, well, first of all, I've had a lot of acquaintance already with Satan, and I know that he is not good for anything, that he promises the moon, and he takes everything away, and what he brings is condemnation and evil and death. Well, he would leave, and I would be talking with other people, and he'd come back, and we'd go through that again. And I said, well, look, I can't sell you my soul because I don't own it anymore. I've already sold it. I sold it to Jesus Christ, and he paid for it with his blood. I'm not free to sell it to anybody else. Finally, he came up. This could go longer. I'm not going to go longer. He finally came up, and he got right up in my face, and he took my two hands like this, and his nose was about that far from mine. That's the way in Italy people talk to each other anyway. And he just started looking me in the eyes saying, Beelzebub, Beelzebub, Beelzebub. That's one of the names for Satan. And every time he said Beelzebub, I said, Jesus saves. So he said, Beelzebub, Jesus saves. Beelzebub, Jesus saves. Finally gave up, dropped my hands, and left. I, I went back after that to the park looking for him. I've been more than one time. I never did find him after that. But I have other illustrations that I can't give where people are, in fact, talking with Satan. And they're claiming to be able to do that through people that uh, set up seances and claim that his spirit had come into their life. And one that I was in contact with even claimed to have read or to have written a book by Satan. And those that were with him all studied that, and that's what they followed. Okay, so that's one thing that we need to keep in mind, that we're in a warfare with Satan. And he'll hurt us if we let him. And he will keep us from going in the first place if he can. And he will do everything that he can when we start teaching, trying to get the people not to listen to us. And I have many illustrations of that in Italy. I've been in church services in Italy in four different places where the police came in and arrested whoever was speaking and kicked everybody else out. And I'll correct that in all four conditions. They were not, at that point, uh, having a regular service. But they were having uh, members meeting there for a specific purpose related to the church. And uh, eventually, of course, they told us they were going to close down all of our churches. And I will come back sometime and tell you how we settled that by going to Washington, D.C. and getting our top people in the government to get after Italy, which they did, and very quickly got all of that kind of stuff uh, stopped. Okay, the other thing that I want to illustrate is that God has said those that seek will find. And to those that knock, it will be opened. And to those that ask, it will be given. How do you think he does that? Just look at the people around you. That's how he does it. He does it through his earthly children. We're to do that. We're to help God fulfill that promise. And that's a big reason why we need to be evangelistic, to help God fulfill his promise. And I want to close with an illustration of a man in 1936 in the town of Livorno, whose English name is Leghorn, because the Leghorn chicken came from there. Several of us had gone together. We rented a place in that city called Livorno and we advertised that one of our former priests was going to be speaking that had been converted. And uh, we filled it up with people that came out, and he got up and got going with his sermon, and then the police came in. They arrested him. I took pictures of it. They came over to me, took my camera, opened it, took the film out, threw it down, and then they took him out and drove everybody else out of the building. He was uh, sentenced in the court there with a large fine and a fairly long period in jail. But later they didn't fulfill that because they said if you will sign a document promising that you will never enter this town again, we will let those other go and uh, you just leave. And that's what he did. I was interviewed by one of the reporters of the biggest newspaper in the state of Tuscany. And uh, he was asking me how that happened and why and all of that sort of business. I was, after that being kicked out, we were still there. The uh, reporters uh, came in. And uh, he uh, wanted to know a lot of things about us, which I told him. And then I said, would you do me a favor? I said, uh, when you do your piece that you're writing, would you put in there that there's a Church of Christ in Florence and give my name and how to contact me. He said, I'd be glad to do that. That went out in hundreds and hundreds of thousands of issue of that newspaper all over the state of Tuscany. A man called me and told me that he was interested in talking with me and made an appointment with me for Saturday evening if you eat at 9 o'clock because you took two hours off in the middle of the day to sleep and then you work later 10 o'clock I got there a little bit early and uh, he introduced himself and then he said I have two American Jehovah's Witnesses that are going to be here in a few minutes he said I've been studying with them for a year he didn't tell me that right then it was afterwards in and many occasions that we talked with later, that in 1936 he had become deathly ill and the doctors told him you're not gonna live very much longer and there's not anything we can do for it. It was a lung condition. Get your house in order. Although he was a Waldensian, that's the oldest Protestant group in the world, began in the 11th century. in France was driven down into Italy in the northern part of Italy, uh, the police and the soldiers came in and just ripped pregnant women open from top to bottom, just like this, killing both them and their child. They had to leave from that city of Turin and go way down to Kosinza in the south. It happened again the very same thing in Cosenza. They were run out again. Women were killed in that same manner. So they've had a lot of people that have given their life for what they believe. He was a member of that. But he said something told him that he was not saved. And he promised God if he would save his life that he would not stop until he found out what church fit what the Bible says about the Lord's church. And he began one by one checking out all of the churches in Italy. And the Jehovah's Witnesses were the last. He didn't know anything about the church of all, church of Christ. Well they came in and they started off with their palaver in Italian. And uh, my brother-in-law had just arrived with my sister and uh, he was there but he didn't speak Italian so he didn't say anything to them and they sat down and started in Italian to give their lesson. And I asked a question and then I made some comments and so forth and my brother-in-law across the table heard one of them whisper to the other, let's leave and come back when he's not here. And they decided that they, had something else they were committed to. And they excused themselves. They never went back again. And he got in touch with me and told me they were not coming back and Would I come study with him? Well, I did. And eventually asked me if I would speak with his pastor, who was a scholar from Switzerland and was a very highly rated person. And he said, would you have a discussion with him about the things we've been teaching? And I said, I would. So we had our discussion. It came up in the beginning that he didn't have a ride home and wanted to know if he could ride, I could let him off at home, which I said yes. We finally came to a point where I asked him, what if the Waldensian church ceased to exist? He said it wouldn't make any difference at all. It doesn't have to be a Waldensian church. It could pass out and wouldn't make any difference. I turned to Bruno and I said Bruno if he had the concept that he had just been put in the body of Jesus which is his church he wouldn't be able to say that well he flew the chicken coop or something else he started shouting at me our ride home was very quiet after that but eventually uh, Bruno called me and showed me a seven-page letter that he had written to the Waldensians telling them point by point while he had just become a New Testament Christian. This is a wonderful example, and many, many, many people could tell you about others that had the fulfillment of Jesus' promise that those who ask will receive, and to those that knock, It will be open. And to those that, I don't remember now what the third one is, whatever it was, he said he would do all of that for them. And he does that. But he does it through people like us. I still believe that it is possible today to just be a non-denominational part of the body of Christ, which is his body, and added to it, by his own action, exactly like it says in Acts chapter two, the last verse in that chapter, and the name written in God's book that has the membership correct, and in the day of judgment we're told uh, in Acts or in Revelation 21:22 that that book will be opened, and those whose names are written in that book will be taken with the Lord and by the Lord to heaven. It is time to offer the invitation. I think I've been successful in going over both times. I apologize. But if there's anyone here tonight who's subject to the invitation, either to be born again, and the one that makes you born again is the Lord. Nobody else could. The water can't. Whoever baptizes can't. It's the Lord that does all of that. And that's what it tells them. Colossians chapter 2. We do that through faith in the working of God. He's the one that does that work. If you need to do this, it would be a wonderful thing for you to take this opportunity. If you have things that you need help in prayer, come for that. Or if you wish to place membership, may God bless you as you think about what this invitation means to you.
0: Let's all stand. Jesus you're my firm foundation I know I can stand secure oh Jesus you're my firm foundation I put my hope in your holy word I put my hope in your holy word I have a living hope. I have a future